Welcome to a Shot in the Arm podcast. I'm your host, Ben Plumley, and this is a podcast about global health and human rights. It's part of a special season brought to you in partnership with the Bay Area Global Health Alliance, which is a group of companies in the tech, biotech, and other industrial sectors, academic institutions, and nonprofit organizations, all committed to improving the lives and health of people around the world. A warm welcome to all of our subscribers, listeners, and viewers. Thank you so much for your support. And welcome, too, to the delegates of AIDS 2020 who are watching this as a satellite symposium as part of the conference. In this episode, we are going to meet Dr. Huma Abassi, who is the Chief Medical Officer and General Manager of Enterprise Health at Chevron. Now, Chevron has a long heritage of engagement in the global fight against AIDS, TB and malaria, and we're going to learn more about that, as well as more about what the company's been doing in COVID-19. Dr. Abassi, welcome to a Shot in the Arm podcast. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for having me here. Um, one thing I can tell you as an audience, I am one of your regulars, so I do enjoy watching and listening to your show. Oh, thank you so much. And, and thank you for doing this in the middle of what must be uh, an incredibly busy time for you, both with COVID-19 and with the uh, AIDS 2020. So um, I also want to welcome our viewers who are joining us through the virtual conference, uh, AIDS 2020, as well as those like you who are our regular viewers and listeners. But, um, but, but Huma... Uh, for many people who may not know much about the energy industry, you're the chief medical officer and the general manager of Global Health and Medical. What does your role entail? So, um, yes, my title is the general manager, Enterprise Health. And uh, recently, we actually, within Chevron, transformed our health portfolio and brought it under the OEHES umbrella, so which is the OE management system for our company. In Chevron, I and my role is responsible for uh, 40,000 employees and double the size of contractors. We develop programs, we have uh, clinics and hospitals around the world, and we make sure that we have health and safety programs, services, policies uh, brought for all these uh, employees and the total workforce. Um, the way we are organized in Chevron, I have a uh, department and uh, my leadership team comprises of uh, uh, three medical directors who are responsible for their region. So the way we look at the world, we divide it into th three regions. One is the Americas, uh, which is uh, North, uh, Central and South America. And the other one is what we call the EMEA region, which is Europe, Middle East, UK, and uh, parts of Africa which is a big region for us. And then the third one is Asia, which includes our larger um, Australia operations. And the way we work in Chevron, we have an integrated model of primary and secondary care. So in locations where you think, um, you know, for instance, in the Western countries where we have health infrastructure and we can rely on the health infrastructure, we have smaller clinics, smaller hospitals that provide occupational health services, wellness and well-being services. But when we go to remote places and remote operations where the health infrastructure is not as what we would want for our workforce, then we put in big hospitals, clinics, and bring in staff and labs and diagnostics and clinical services so we can deploy and implement our program. And then we have a big portfolio of public and community outreach, community health, 
and as well as the well-being and psychological and emotional well-being services. So I, it, it is a fantastic infrastructure that is sort of embedded in the company. Um, I, I suppose, is this common for the energy industry to provide this kind of care to employees around the world? Um, I suppose many of them are working in remote regions, so th there needs to be something. But but uh, maybe many of our viewers uh, and listeners might be a bit surprised to know that there is such an infrastructure there. Um, how common is that? It's uh, not very common. We see different styles, different models in the energy industry. One of the things that Chevron takes pride in and puts a priority is on health and safety of the workforce. And uh, uh, we believe, and this is why we have uh, internal programs that support our employees, the dependents, the contractors, but also we believe that when we are in these communities where we operate and have our operations, um, as a corporate citizen, we have a role to uh, provide those services to our communities. So when we go into these remote, remote locations, not only we bring these hospitals, clinics, and programs, and um, folks that are experts in the field of health, physicians, clinicians, um, uh, lab technicians, and uh, other specialties, but also uh, we uh, provide some of those services and extend them outside the fence to our communities. Yeah, and I'd love to come on to that in a, in a second. But maybe a bit more about you. You are a medical doctor, a physician by training, yes? How, how did you get into that? Yeah, so um, I uh, grew up in a third world country and uh, I was one of the fortunate uh, people over there to get higher level education and become a doctor. And you see a lot of, I'm sure you talk to a lot of physicians and uh, there is a reason we come to this profession and, um, and the most informist reason is um, to help save lives and enhance the lives of others. And I think that has been um, my reason to come to this profession and uh, stay in this profession. So I did start as a doctor in a small hospital and um, just providing that uh, patient care and helping individuals was very gratifying for me. Um, but, uh, you know, I always felt like I wanted to do more. And uh, when we look at what Chevron does as a corporation in the field of health, in public health, in different countries, this is something that attracted me just working from that patient individual care to a larger scale where you are helping and putting programs forward for hundreds of thousands of individuals. That's what attracted me. So I did um, make a decision at that time that I'm going to move from this individual care, which we also practice in my role here, but move to a place where I can uh, deploy and implement programs and help with moving the global health agenda and work on those priorities by uh, becoming part of a um, company that believes in uh, health as a priority and health and safety of the workforce and uh, health and prosperity of the communities. And, and I guess one of the central components of Chevron's commitment has been around HIV. And I, I know many people, many delegates at AIDS 2020, as in previous conferences, might be surprised to see a company like Chevron playing such a central supporting role, sponsorship role of the conference. But there's quite a legacy there. Um, and I would love to explore that with you. 
because it's a story that perhaps is not told as widely as as it as it might be. But um, but why is HIV important to Chevron? Yeah, so we um, start and begin from the pre- premise that um, healthy societies and healthy communities are good for business. But when you were also into this and we want to eradicate these diseases because we believe this is the right thing to do. And I did talk a little bit about these remote operations. So our journey in HIV actually started in the 1980s when our home, which is San Francisco Bay Area, was hit hard by this devastating disease. And then uh, we also had um, internationally in our global operations in West Africa, the disease uh, disproportionately affected the population and especially women. And we wanted to do something about it. As I mentioned earlier, some of these countries don't have the health infrastructure. And as a corporate citizen, we wanted to play a role and we felt like we wanted to help build those health systems, health capacity, and help with the HIV journey. So in the 80s, we started by putting together these local training programs and training uh, physicians and clinicians on HIV training. But then we moved uh, this program a little bit on a larger scale, bigger, and we were the first energy company here in the Bay Area to have a corporate-wide HIV policy. And in fact, uh, this year, we will be celebrating the 15th anniversary of that policy. What that policy brought us was a comprehensive program, a groundbreaking workplace program that um, talked about and focused on HIV training education, awareness for everyone, anonymized testing services, and then increasing access to healthcare and capacity and providing those medical services to the employees, their dependents, and then extending that to the communities. And I, I would, it would be remiss if I didn't mention the role of uh, public-private partnerships, because we believe that all of this goes hand in hand when we work with the governments, when we work with private organizations that are in the communities. So we formed these alliances and partnerships early on, whether it was Bay Area, which is our local home, or it was far um, in the um, in um, Africa, in African countries or Asian countries. And these partnerships helped us progress our journey. We believed in Chevron with our hundreds of years of experience in running operations, we could bring capital, we could bring resources. But then when we formed these alliances with the local governments and worked on their strategies or through the NGOs, we brought in expertise from people who knew about the local culture, who knew what works and what doesn't work. And we were able to customize our programs and then develop those programs for our workforce. So I think uh, one of the things I will mention in our journey has been these great partnerships. Actually, if I expand on that, partnership is uh, woven into the fabric of Chevron's culture. And we believe that forming these alliances has helped us in many things in operations, in running operations in these fields. But we wanted to leverage from those existing partnerships and bring those to health and set priority on health through those partnerships. Do you know one of those partnerships, Huma, that I uh, has always moved me is the partnership with the National AIDS Memorial. And I remember seeing, particularly with the Names Project, particularly now that the quilts are are coming back to the Bay Area for a, and, and have their home there now, will have their permanent home there. But, was, but it was so interesting to see Chevron uh, embrace the quilts and, and to see, 
you know, the names of uh, employees and dependents whose lives had been lost to HIV and who were being celebrated in these uh, in these quilts. That was that was very moving, and it it, it sort of really emphasised that. Uh, this was a, a disease that f affected everybody, no matter no matter where they were. One of the things that also struck me um, about the the Chevron Workplace Program was the non discrimination policy. And non discrimination, obviously, is a, uh, a something that is so central in the, the current environment. But how how straightforward was it, or how difficult was it to implement a worldwide non-discrimination policy around people living with HIV? Yeah, so that's a very good question. In fact, uh, unfortunately, even today when we have progressed so far in our HIV journey, we see that the governments and in some of the countries, we still struggle with stigma associated with the disease. But one thing I will mention for Chevron is that the policy, the HIV policy in the non-discrimination ties in very well with our diversity and inclusion policies. And we believe that we uh, want to bring these programs that talk to health equity, social justice, and uh, so the, it has been a long journey uh, in the 2000, in late 2018, we started our PrEP journey and we provided resources and access to PrEP for our global workforce. And I see, I, then, do wanna, uh, I do want to ask you about, uh, about PrEP and I think you're probably one of the first companies to implement a, you know, corporate wide PrEP program. And you know, right at the very start of the 2000s, Chevron was one of, was one of the first companies to implement mm -hmm. comprehensive treatment. But in rolling out PrEP to employees and dependents, how is that going? What are the lessons that you've learned from that? So, yeah, so we did um, deploy PrEP in late 2018 and provided those resources and access to our global workforce. And uh, since then, uh, we have understood that it's not an easy journey because we are learning so much about country reg regulations and restrictions. Uh, when we uh, started deploying these programs, we thought that we could use our existing uh, program and services and provide prep to those services, but it wasn't that easy. And now, having uh, experienced it for the last two years, I think a couple of things we've learned is one, you have to work with uh, local legislation and uh, privacy requirements in those countries. The other thing is that we have been scaling up and down and trying to work and right size our programs according to the benefit designs, the insurance, health insurance models that we have in those companies and uh, work within those parameters and uh, and work with the premise that not one size fits all. One of the things we've also done is that we've developed an internal website for our employees that provides access to resources, education, training, and um, access to healthcare for our employees. And now, even though our programs have slowed down a little bit, as you can understand with COVID-19, pandemic, but we are still continuing our journey. We continue to learn and we have uh, developed packages and deployment schedules for different countries. And we take one country at a time and we deploy those resources to our employees. We also keep engaged and communicating with our employees. One of the things that's very important for health programs, as you can imagine, is the communication and two-way feedback. So whenever we bring these programs, we try to make sure that we are learning about the cultural sensitivities. We are learning about 
about the countries, but we are also learning about the health issues and priorities in the local countries and understanding those from the local employees and then bringing them and customizing those into our programs. So, Huma, one of the other things about Chevron's approach, you mentioned it at the start, was sort of being in the fabric of partnerships. And uh, Chevron has played a key role in supporting um, local Bay Area community organizations, global organizations. Which are the ones that stand out to you and the ones that, that you're sort of quite proud of? Yeah, so, uh, Ben, the concept of partnerships uh, is actually very important for us and informs our collaborative approach towards public health. And this is why we have... Um, put partnerships, especially the public-private partnerships, to the forefront of our programs. And um, I will start with some of our key partners here in the Bay Area because this is our home. And uh, one of the partners is San Francisco AIDS Foundation. We have been partners with them for now um, decades. And uh, every year we get together with them and look at our priorities and develop those programs together. We are one of the uh, two sponsors of Getting to Zero program here in the Bay Area, which means zero new cases, zero stigma and zero deaths. Uh, from HIV AIDS. The other partnership is CalPEP, an organization that helps the homeless, the uh, people who are um, seriously impacted with HIV AIDS. And uh, we have worked with them together to provide mobile testing services, um, which um, carry out this non-discriminatory anonymized testing and provides those testing services, but recently was modified to provide hygiene services. Every day around the World AIDS Day, we get together and we have some group of employees who are volunteers within Chevron. We get together and develop these hygiene kits, which have been helping some of the hopeless and needy here. But I do want to move uh, forward and talk about some of our global partners and our um, larger partnerships. And one of those in, uh, which uh, stands out is the partnership with Global Fund. So in 2008, we announced our three-year partnership with uh, Global Fund amounting to $30 million. And then again, uh, we had additional 2013, another $5 million designated to that partnership, amounting to a total of $60 million towards uh, global fund health agenda and health activities. Uh, the other thing um, I want to mention is our partners with PACT. These are um, partners who have helped us with programs in Nigeria, uh, and especially in the BIOS state of Nigeria, which was really hard hit mm -hmm. with um, HIV AIDS. And then we extended those partnerships in Asia. Um, as we mentioned earlier, one of the moving partnership for me has been the National AIDS Memorial. And I am so glad and pleased to see that uh, we will be seeing the Memorial Quill come back to San Francisco. And I want to congratulate the National uh, Memorial Quill for that, because this is one of the uh, partnerships and tools that we've used within, even within Chevron to share our stories and talk about the colleagues and families uh, and people who have lost uh, their lives to this pandemic. And um, also, you know, we have volunteerism in Chevron and there are a group of Chevron retirees and employees who get together every year to develop these quilts. And we have developed quilts on uh, different themes like um, AIDS is going to lose, like hope and uh, depicting our uh, mother to child prevention of transmission programs with uh, showing the faces of babies who were born to HIV positive 
mothers and were non-HIV positive. So it's been a journey and uh, I would say that the, the role of this partnership has been central and key to the success of our, not only our HIV journey, but even if I expand to other non-communicable diseases and programs like cardiovascular disease and others where we formed partnerships with American Heart Association or chronic disease and join hands with American Cancer Society to bring those programs to our workforce and the communities. I, and, and I should sort of declare an interest in that <clears throat> I'm a board member of CalPEP, the California Prostitutes Education uh, Project. And uh, it's so fascinating to see, Huma, that those um, uh, hygiene kits that, that Chevron employees have made for CalPEP are being used extensively right now as the community in encampments and, uh, and with, um, with, with insecure housing uh, are sort of getting access to sort of basic hygiene uh, during the era of COVID. That, that has been absolutely invaluable. As we look at um, some of the other partnerships that, that Chevron has been involved in, this podcast is a, a partnership with the Bay Area Global Health Alliance, and you're actually on the board of, <clears throat> of the alliance. Um, could you tell us a bit about what you are looking for for uh, a Bay Area Global Health Alliance and what kind of partnerships you think would be would be useful coming out of that? Yeah, um, Ben, I have to say that I am honored and uh, very pleased to be in the company of uh, global health leaders through this uh, Bay Area Alliance. And uh, and uh, I know that, you know, this alliance is uh, quite new. Uh, but one of the things that I feel that we can do as uh, board members on this alliance is bring uh, the global health agenda and the priorities uh, from the Bay Area to the forefront. I know that uh, we have um, some private uh, sector organizations in, in this as well. And uh, I feel and I hope that through this alliance, we can uh, kind of, uh, I would say, be the conscious for some of these companies and lead with our advocacy efforts and bring all these um, uh, tech companies and other companies in the Bay Area to start talking about health priorities and what we need to do here to strengthen the healthcare system and also bring the uh, focus to um, health. And and sort of going to the national level, um, Chevron is uh, the uh, co-chair of Friends of the Global Fights Private Sector Advisory Council, uh, which I guess builds on the long heritage of support for the, for the Global Fund. Um, it's going to be crucial in this new era to make sure that as well as dealing with uh, COVID-19 and other new pandemics, we don't lose, lose sight of those three diseases, AIDS, TB and malaria. What, what advice would you give to, uh, to people who are wanting to make sure that, uh, that we don't lose sight of these three diseases? Yeah, I would just say continue to work and uh, think about health equity, social justice, and um, continue to improve lives. And this is something that keeps us going in uh, Chevron. We think that health of the uh, workforce and the communities is a priority for us. And one of the things that I like uh, about the Friends of the Fight it, it, that continues the support and activities from Global Fund and through the advocacy efforts and best practice sharing and networks sharing brings uh, those health priorities to the forefront that we have been supporting from decades uh, through Global Fund. 
So this brings us up now to these unprecedented, crazy times mm -hmm. of COVID-19. Um, so what has it been like for you? What have you been working on? And, and how are you seeing your the disruption to uh, to what you might have planned for this year? Yeah, I mean, so we have been uh, very busy with this pandemic. Uh, I remember from the time when we started late December with a small uh, program through the medical teams providing response in Asia because we have operations in Asia and that's where it started. But then uh, scaling that up to a corporate response through a corporate pandemic response team that actually uh, is connected to a crisis management team and involves the executive leadership. And it's since then, it's been endless days and nights, uh, or, you know, like any other healthcare workers. Uh, what we've done through this pandemic team is uh, provided a, a central coordinated response, Ben, which I think is so important and I think has been one of the success factors for us. So what we did through uh, this pandemic team was brought in all the health experts to the center and thought about and did a needs assessment. What are the things that our countries need? And then uh, had a central coordinated approach, whether it was developing guidance documents on the protective measures or uh, uh, physical distancing measures or uh, personal protective equipment that uh, was uh, needed in those countries and even in the U.S., the local response has been to educate people, to create awareness. Uh, my boss and I are on um, every other week. We go on these town calls and engage with our employees to hear from them about the stress they are feeling. The other thing we uh, did early on um, realizing and from our experience from the prior outbreaks was uh, uh, put up uh, these um, EAP resources for the employees and bring um, emotional and psychological well-being programs. Because as you mentioned, these are unprecedented time where we are dealing with a pandemic, with economic crisis. And on top of this, you see locally in the Bay Area, um, in the U.S. now we have protests and other activity. And it can't be easy. And people carry that burden, whether they are dealing with a positive, COVID positive individual or a family member or they are looking at the situation where we have hundreds and thousands of people dying globally. So what we've done is we've brought to make our workforce resilience. We've brought a resilience app that uh, provides resources to the employees, but also our employee assistance programs and uh, wellness programs and other health programs to the employees so they can stay fit. They can um, uh, practice being healthy, but also learn from these educational activities. The other thing we've also done, uh, which is uh, something that's central to Chevron, is also support the health uh, care workers and our communities in providing these um, uh, personal protective equipment. And I do want to share a little bit, Ben, uh, from what we've done in the communities, because it's fascinating to me. Early on, we provided 100,000 surgical masks to four Bay Area hospitals here. In Kazakhstan, uh, we had a team of people who worked with the local restaurants and provided meals to the uh, frontline workers. And this is very uh, uh, great. In France, actually, there was a um, shortage of the hand sanitizers. So one of our plants repurposed their manufacturing plants and started producing hand sanitizer for the French authorities. And then through our collaborative efforts nationally, working with managing donations, we have supported organizations, especially those uh, Bay Area and other national organizations who serve the underserved 
population and marginalized and vulnerable communities to help them with donations and um, help with the COVID-19 efforts. And again, a, 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 a declaration of another interest. I'm closely involved with the San Francisco Community Health Center um, and uh, Chevron provided a very significant contribution to purchase surgical masks that the outreach workers were able to use mm -hmm. in San Francisco's Tenderloin to provide health services to the homeless. So I, I know we were all deeply, deeply grateful to that. You mentioned the protests, Huma, that had been another feature of the last couple of months. Um, and, you know, really this sort of gets us to the the challenge that Black Lives Matter has uh, really put to to all of us uh, around the world, but particularly here in the United States. Um, how, how has Chevron responded to that? I know the company has made some very strong statements, but but how, in your to your mind, has this sort of impacted the way you're thinking about doing business? You know, one of the things I will say, uh, Ben, here that in Chevron we have diversity and inclusion policies that talk about equality, and we've had those policies from a long time. And uh, I have seen, as you had mentioned, my top leadership talk about racial, uh, first of all, inequality that exists in uh, in many, many countries and how uh, Chevron has been talking about equity, about social justice and about um, improving human lives and human progress. And we have also we also support organizations that, uh, as I mentioned, are working together to serve these marginalized populations, whether it's through health programs or our community engagements. But we have had this for many, many decades. And uh, we have um, now extended those programs to create awareness uh, with our leaders engaging with the population, trying to listen and hear what the people are saying, and also responding and reacting to this by providing services that uh, help with uh, psychological and uh, emotional well-being, because this could be a lot of stress on employees. So we're... One of the comments that that is regularly made is that COVID-19 uh, is forcing us to behave in a way that business will never be the same again. And, um, you know, and I think that's been a, a particular uh, a particular note of interest for the energy industry, um, given, uh, you know, what has been happening with climate change and, you know, the the price of oil, which just tanked. So well, what's your sense of what the, uh, what the future is going to look like for the energy industry in this sort of post-COVID era? Mm -hmm. So Chevron um, safely develops and delivers reliable, affordable, and cleaner energy solutions. And uh, with our longstanding history uh, in Chevron, we have shown resilience and have adapted to change in marketplace and conditions. So I understand that these are unprecedented times, but we also believe that energy production, especially in the growing economies and developing and other countries, uh, we can uh, progress human uh, development by um, providing cleaner, affordable, reliable, and sustainable energy solutions. And this energy will then create more opportunities, more jobs, provide health uh, access and education and improve lives. 
So, and it's not just uh, Chevron. I know that uh, some of our pure companies are also transforming and bringing in technology and digital solutions to make sure that we transform ourselves to adapt to the local conditions and manage these uh, climate change risks and also provide those opportunities to uh, the countries and to populations for social and economic progress. And, and I guess something that's interesting uh, for people like you and me with a public health background is that, you know, the, the COVID-19 pandemic has taught us perhaps more than anything else, perhaps much more acutely than HIV did, um, yeah. that pandemics really have to be at the forefront of business planning. And, you know, public health is perhaps more important to multinational business and, well, just global activity period than it's ever been before. Um, how do you see the role of uh, the kind of um, uh, health leaders like you in large companies? How do you see that role evolving? Yeah, I think... As, as a physician personally and then professionally uh, leading a um, health role in a company and a corporation that uh, provides health uh, services to so many, I would say that uh, one of the things we can do is uh, bring health agenda to the forefront and help uh, people understand and the governments understand the priority they need to put on these health issues. And uh, one of the things we've learned internally from our success in these pandemics is the preparation that we did. So when we were in December, January, starting to look at this outbreak and plan for the pandemic, we knew that we had programs in place that we have been there for many, many years. We have been preparing for pandemics and um, um, not that hoping there will be a pandemic, but you always need to prepare. We have drills, we have staffs, resources that have been put together in case in unforeseen circumstances or unfortunate when when we uh, come across these incidents and pandemics, we, ha we can deploy those resources. So I think my advice to everyone is that don't lose sight of what we do need to do to bring these public health issues to the forefront. We need to maintain and sustain funding to our health programs, whether it is communicable diseases like HIV, AIDS, malaria, tuberculosis, or non-communicable diseases, and, uh, and then keep uh, our focus on these diseases. One of the things I'm also worried about now is that when we work on these uh, pandemic, we don't want to neglect some of the other diseases and the work we've done on other health threats and other diseases. Uh, for instance, vaccination and, uh, um, you know, for diseases like polio and other uh, health threats. So we want to make sure that we uh, maintain those resources. We keep uh, our drills, we keep uh, make, uh, making sure that we have epidemiologists and we have health leaders who are getting trained, who are talking about emergency response, and um, at the same time, uh, making sure that uh, we manage the current and as well as our planning for the future threats. So th this has been quite a wide-ranging conversation, Huma, and thank you so much. But I, I couldn't end this <clears throat> without asking, how have you and your family been staying, staying sane over the last couple of months? And in particular, have you been binge watching anything on television? 
So, uh, you know, with a nine-year-old in the house, uh, I don't know there's enough of uh, binge watching I can do. I mean, in between uh, attending webinars and attending my meetings, um, um, it's been a very busy uh, schedule. So one of the things I've done is that since I'm not traveling and, um, you know, my job takes me everywhere in the world, so I have been isolating at home. I have uh, started and focusing, to, um, you know, on some of the things I can do with family. So I'm cooking a lot. Uh, which uh, I enjoy and, uh, you know, it's uh, one of the uh, things that I do to relieve my stress. Uh, not necessarily binge watching, but uh, I am one of those people who does not like watching the news uh, because sometimes it stresses me, but I have been glued uh, to the television and watching news. And uh, I, I will say the one program I got interested in and have been watching regularly is uh, Fareed Zakaria GPS. I do like that program um, much, but you know, mostly it has been just learning about this novel disease. This is a novel virus and I'd like to learn more and more so we can be uh, up to date on the research and bring that knowledge and expertise to our workforce. But um, it's, it's been um, good spending time with family at, here at home. So Huma, thank you so much for a really insightful and wide-ranging conversation. It's just fascinating to know both what you've done as a health leader in the energy industry, but also what Chevron is doing and the wide range of partners that it has. Um, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I know you're extremely busy and you need to get back to uh, responding to COVID-19. But just thank you so much for being on a Shot in the Arm podcast. Thank you, Ben, for having me here. It's been a pleasure and honor to be here on the show. Thanks so much. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you to Dr. Huma Abassi from Chevron. Thanks also to AIDS 2020 and a particular thanks to the Bay Area Global Health Alliance. Our thanks to our director, Eric Espera from Newsdoc Media. And thanks to you. As always, you can find us at Facebook, Twitter and YouTube at Shot Arm Podcast or wherever you download your podcasts. Have a great week and a safe week.